Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Anacrusic Podcast. You are listening to a special bonus episode of TAP, a special bonus episode that is on a Tuesday and not a Thursday. And the reason why is because today we're speaking with my friend Kristen all about being a member of the Sequencing Solution. She's going to give you an inside peek of why she decided to join the program and how it's changed her teaching. You're listening to the Anacrusic Podcast with Anne Molesky, the music teacher and curriculum designer behind Anacrusic.com. This podcast is all about making your music teacher life more purposeful, sequential, and joyful, so you can take a breath and love each and every moment you spend making music with kids. So grab a cup of coffee and kick up your feet, because it's time for another episode. Okay, guys, today is a super special episode, and you are probably wondering why are we having a podcast episode on Tuesday, and you usually come out on Thursday. Well, I thought that we would do things a little earlier this week because the very thing that we're talking about, the sequencing solution, my signature program, is open for registration right now, and registration closes on Saturday, March 16th. So I want to make sure that you have plenty of time to listen and go check things out because I know what Chris has to share with you today is really going to resonate with you. Now, you might be wondering, what exactly is the sequencing solution? Well, it's my plug-and-play formula to simplify and streamline your planning. It's for intentional music teachers who want to trade just filling time for the perfect curriculum planning roadmap, one that fills you up, has room to breathe, and helps you and your kids be the most musical that you can be. It'll help you take the guesswork out of what to teach next and get back to doing what you love and loving what you do, making music with kids. And of course, this has everything to do with with being purposeful, sequential, and joyful. And I know that you're going to hear that from Kristen today. If you want to check out the program, like I said, registration is open right now. So go ahead and click the link in the show notes or go to anacrusic.com slash TSS. Without further ado, here is my conversation with the Sequencing Solution member, Kristen Sotero. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this. I really appreciate it. Of course. I'm so glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Um, so my background, I grew up in Fort Worth, Texas. Um, I knew that I wanted to do something in music when I was probably in middle school-ish. I just didn't know what. Um, as I got into high school and I started looking at colleges, I thought about performance. That was kind of the direction I thought I was going to go. Um, but then as I was looking at some more schools and I found Berkeley College of Music in Boston, I saw that they had a film scoring program and I had been obsessed with soundtracks for my whole life. And I had no idea that that was an avenue that you could take in college was to study that. Um, and so I, I knew that that's what I wanted to do. I applied, I got accepted. I moved to Boston. I did all that. I got my bachelor's in film scoring and um, my experience there was invaluable. Now I'm not in the film scoring industry, of course, but what I gained from all of that was helpful to me nonetheless, um, in this career that I'm now paving for myself. Um, 
when I was leaving Boston, I needed a job desperately. I had to start paying back student loans right away. And I got a call from a high school band director near my hometown who said, if you want, you can come back and teach private lessons and help me with marching band and teach at the feeder middle schools. And I, unfortunately, I hate saying this now, but I said yes, only because I needed the money. Um, I, so I moved back home and I took that job. And that is when I fell in love with teaching um, with just those first couple of years back here. And I knew that film scoring was still kind of at the back of my mind, but um, I was just really enjoying teaching so much. And so then I, I tried some other gigs out and I was teaching and I was doing piano accompanist gigs. Um, I played in a band for a little bit. I produced a podcast for a little bit. So I was doing all these things music related, um, but it never crossed my mind that maybe I should think about doing this full time. I was enjoying all these little part-time gigs. Um, but so are you I, just mostly teaching private lessons, like high school private lessons? Is that what yes, you're doing? Yes, pretty okay, much. Awesome. That's all I was doing. Um, and then I went and started working at a studio where I started teaching the little ones. And as soon as I started teaching those five and six year olds, I thought, oh, how cool would it be to do that with this a whole class, you know? Um, and so I went ahead and pursued my um, teaching certificate and then I student taught and I was a substitute teacher for a while. And now the current position that I have, I've been at a public school for three years and this, this is my place. This is my happy place. And I'm so glad that I found it. Um, and I'm so glad that I found you too, to help me <laughs> <laughs> along the way. I'm pretty sure I emailed you about two or three years ago and said, help me. I'm drowning. I'm burnt out. I don't know what I'm doing. And it was, you know, your Instagram stories and your podcast. That was what really intrigued me, um, to get to know you more. And I'm so glad that I got to be a part of your sequencing solution. Oh, it's so sweet of you. So I love, I love this story so much because so many people that I've talked to just in general, not just on the podcast, but even like kind of the, the big pedagogy people in our field, a lot of them did not start out as music education people, which I think is just so interesting, right? So right. you you started out in this like film score world, which is so cool. So you must have been really into composing before, way before you went to college, right? And that's just something that you loved or? I mean, I wish I could say that I loved composing, no. <laughs> but <laughs> unfortunately I hadn't really tried it um, before college. I mean, I did a little bit here and there, but mostly just for percussion is my principal instrument. So that, that was the only hem like sphere that I knew about as far as how to compose for instruments. Um, but what a great wake up call that was to be at Berkeley and to be immersed with other people who were so much better than me at everything. I just thought, well, you know, if they can do it, I can do it too. And so it was a combination of learning about composition and technology. And I mean, now I kind of get to do both in my job um, in, in a different way, of course. But, um, but still, like I said, the experience was invaluable. I mean, I wouldn't, I don't think I could give myself enough credit as a teacher if I hadn't had those experiences from Berkeley. Yeah, and what an awesome way to hone your own musicianship through all of that too, right? Absolutely. 
cool experience. So your current job right now, what grade mm-hmm. levels do you teach? I teach K through five. And uh, our school has about 800 students. So there's two music teachers, uh, me and my partner teacher. We're in different rooms. Um, but my first year, our building was under construction. So we shared a room. Um, and that was also a really good experience for, for me to kind of not necessarily be under the wing of the other music teacher, but just in terms of us getting to know each other better and me seeing her teaching habits and her seeing mine. And um, that was a good bonding experience for us. And she kind of helped me get to know the kids a lot better because she had already been there for a couple of years. Um, and they only added another music teacher because of the growth of the school. Um, so that was helpful too. How often do you see your kids right now? I see them once a week plus every other Friday for 27 minutes. Oh, wow. Okay. So you see your kids once a week and then Uh every other Friday. So Uh how does that every other Friday work? Like, do you just have combined classes every other Friday or? Um, It's, we, we will either see the groups that we saw on Monday or Tuesday, Monday and Tuesday, or we will see the groups that we saw on Wednesday and Thursday. And that's, that's if it's a regular Friday schedule, our Fridays, there's usually always something going on on campus and our schedule just gets wacky. And we just kind of between us and the art classes and PE, sometimes we just kind of have to separate and say, you take this group, you take this group. And it's, it's not always organized, but we just do what we have to do in the moment. Right. Yeah, of course. It's survival mode sometimes, yes. right? <laughs> for sure. So so you really, really see your kids once a week for that 27 minutes. That's the yes. that's what you can count on each and every week. So, yes. I mean, thinking about that, that's probably one of the things you're about to share. <laughs> but thinking about that and all the other things just for music teachers, elementary music teachers, general music teachers in general, and for you personally, whether it's like your first year teaching when you first started out or like mid-year or as you've gone through these last couple of years, what do you feel like are some of the biggest struggles that music teachers have? Like, where do you find that, that you just wish that you had more help or more stuff? Yeah. Um, and I kind of wanted to also mention that in one of your podcasts where you talk about us as teachers being like separating our, our identities as a one, as a musician and one as an educator. And because I, I also feel like there's, there is a difference there. Like it's not all in one thing. So as a musician, I feel like I'm always looking for more time to practice. That's, I mean, I think that's every musician's dream is to find more time to enhance themselves on their instrument. Um, And also just learning to play more expressively rather than uh, technically correct and accurate is also a struggle that I have. And then as an educator, I think... I think you have to also realize that progress is going to happen and it might not happen as quickly as you want it to. Everybody thinks that, you know, the longer you teach, the better you get every day, every week, every month, every year. And that might be true for a lot of people, but sometimes I've noticed that my progress in some areas is much slower than others. And I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. Um, I think best practices are fluid, you know, they'll, they'll kind of, they'll come and go when the time is right. Um, and you can't always control that. (laughs) Um, and then also I think another struggle that I have, especially when talking to people who are not educators is the presumption that 
because we have our summers off and because we have winter break and spring break that our job is easy. And that's a, that's hard for me. I, I don't particularly like it when people say that, um, you know, that they envy us having all this time off because I know I personally don't feel like I get time off when, when I have breaks, I'm still reading and writing and listening and, um, doing things that, I can do to, to better myself as an educator and as a musician. Um, and so the one thing, if I were to combine the two and say, what's, what's my biggest struggle as a musician and as an educator, I think it's trying to suppress that self doubt that we sometimes feel about ourselves. Um, trying not to compare ourselves to others trying not to perceive who is better than us and why they're better than us. That's, that's hard. We're human. We can't help but do that sometimes. Um, but trying to just have a more positive outlook and say, wow, look at that person. Like, good for them. Look at what they've done so far. And, you know, I can do that too. Yeah, I love this. I wrote down so many things as you were talking. So I'm going to try not to forget any of the thoughts <laughs> that were going through my brain. Because I, I love everything you said for a couple of different reasons and especially this, this idea of who, who is better or who's doing what and not playing that comparison game. And you know, it's really, really hard because number one, we're also isolated on our campuses, right? Mm-hmm. And number two, when we do get the opportunity to share with other music teachers, I think it's easy to forget that we're isolated on our campuses, which like I've said 8 million times, it's like your teaching situation is time-bound situational and always changing, and it's very different and changing at a different pace and has a different storyline than anybody else you might be talking to, right? And so like for me, especially the first couple years I was teaching, and maybe you felt this way too, I would be in like my second year of teaching, and I would want all of my fifth graders to be at this level, And I would compare it to somebody who had been teaching for 20 years in my district. And that's just not fair to me or to them because I can't compare like my halfway to their end game. Right. So I think that that's something to really, really be cognizant of. But then on the flip side, I think even teachers who have been teaching for a long time always have something to learn from anybody. You know, everybody has something to learn from everybody, I guess is a better way of saying that. Because even if you've been teaching for a long time, there might be somebody who's been in a different classroom who had a different experience who can share an idea that worked for their kids that you didn't think of because maybe you're kind of stuck in those ways, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that's great. And then the other piece, I love that you bring up this this idea of <laughs> musician educator, like the teacher musician thing that I've been thinking a lot about lately, just because I think that it's so important, like you said, to find ways to practice our our skills and our art as musicians and you know this idea of being more expressive and finding ways to put that into our teaching as much as possible which you know I'm a big proponent of and like finding ways that really light you up as well because Mm -hmm. by doing that in your classroom you're going to do that for your kids as well so you know thinking about all these things that you brought up Let's talk a little bit about the the program, the sequencing solution. So mm-hmm. when that kind of came along as this pilot, you know, here is this idea. I I wanted a group of people to go through with me. What what did you think? What made you sign up? What made you jump in? Well, I mean, as I said before, I, I'm a huge fan of the podcast, and I I love all the guest speakers that you have on your podcast, and and those are the kind of people that I aspire to be, and <laughs> and I just. I write down all these ideas 
of what I can do to change my, my classroom uh, environment and change my lesson planning. And then it's just, sometimes it's just really hard to implement it because you're given all these options of ways that you can do things. And that is a huge blessing that, you know, I'm in a place Mm -hmm. where my lesson plans are not given to me that I have the freedom to create things as I see fit for my kids. But on the flip side of that, it's, it's hard when you have so many resources and you just don't know where to start. And so I just needed some extra guidance from somebody who had the experience, the same experience as me where, you know, the resources were kind of overtaking my mind and I felt like I was losing my sanity um, just because, not because I dreaded lesson planning, but because am I, am I doing what's in the best interest of my kids by trying all these different things? Is that really helping them? Or do I need to have an order to things and stick to one plan, you know, for the course of the year and not change things up so much? Um, so that's what intrigued me about it. Of course, once I got into it, I just love the, the community of people that were also in it who, who felt the same way that I did for the most part, where it was just kind of work at your own pace. We all had different things going on. We all had concerts and rehearsals and we, we were, you know, some of us were struggling and some of us were ahead and behind. And, um, you were just so graceful with us when, when you said, you know, jump into these discussions and calls, if you can, it's, it was non-judgmental. The, the feedback was there. Um, and all of those things were just completely imperative to lowering my stress and anxiety that I, I didn't feel like I was adding something else to my plate. This was something that I already had in mind that I was going to do for myself. And now I just have a, a teacher who was you to, to help me through that. Yeah. So that's so awesome because one of my, my main goals for this whole thing was, um, to say, okay, here's the structure. Now what you're doing should should be able to fit into what you're doing so you can process some of it in real time. And the other thing that you said that I, I don't know if everybody realizes how much value is in the community. So like mm-hmm. the group of, you know, people who are going through this process with you, is it's really like a cohort. Like if you're going through like a class or a workshop or something like that, because the, the discussion was there and the opportunity to connect and share ideas was there. And that's just going to keep growing as time goes on. Like that group is still active, right? Mm-hmm. So, so that's so awesome. So, so I love that. So what do you feel like you really gained from the program? Did it help solve any of the the problems that you are kind of feeling or do you self questions? Where are you now? Um, well, I mean, I, I would say that I'm still, I'm still in progress of it. You know, I, I go back and reread a lot of, of the stuff all the time. And I go back and listen to your podcasts and just look for little things here and there. Um, the, the book that you had recommended that we read the teaching general music, I go back through that and, and bookmark different things in that book all the time too. Um, but I think, I I think what I have to remind myself of at the end of the day is that we all have the same goal that to ensure that, that our passion for teaching and for music is in alignment with the training and the keys that you're giving us so that these kids can grow up to be people who understand and appreciate and enjoy music after they've left elementary. Um, and so just trying to do more things 
like more movement, more stories, more sound stories, singing, counting, playing, playing instruments, like things that we were already doing before, but maybe I just wasn't very cognizant of how much I was doing in each class week to week. Maybe I was doing a little bit too much movement every couple of weeks or too much singing a couple of lessons in a row. And now you've helped me kind of smooth it out a little bit, I think is what I've realized. Like I can just be more intentional with my planning and think, okay, you know, rather than saying, well, I've got to find something that involves playing an instrument this week. What am I going to do now? It's more like, well, I'm already doing this song that they're singing. Why not just add a dance to it instead? And then I can use that same dance with another song later on down the road. And um, just little things like that. And also, um, I think you recommended at some point that we use this book and mm-hmm. this book. And these books <laughs> are becoming my best friends, the 150 rounds and folk songs. Like, there's there's a couple of ideas in there for games and activities. But what I'm finding is that I can now, I'm at the point where I can kind of come up with my own games and instrumentation for this. And it doesn't it doesn't have to be written out in the book for me um, because you encourage creativity. And that's that's what I think I'm working on right now is just being more creative, finding one idea and then finding my way to get through to the kids with that idea. Yeah. Yeah, because the whole point is like we want to, you know, the whole deal that I say all the time is the whole purposeful, sequential, joyful. But the idea is that if you know what your purpose is and you can build that sequence with something that makes you feel creative with good rep, but something that is so rich that you can come up with different ways to be creative with it and help your kids feel more creative, the happier you're going to be each and every day the more fulfilled you'll feel not only as a teacher but as a musician because that is an important piece Mm -hmm. so I love that that's awesome well is there anything else that you want to share Kristen I so appreciate you coming on the podcast to talk of course thanks for having me thanks for listening to the Anna Krusik podcast for more details and information from this episode check out the show notes on anacrusik.com While you're there, join the Tap Insiders community on Facebook, where you can collaborate with Anne and other music educators. Also, if you found this episode entertaining or informative, don't forget to share with your music besties and leave a review on iTunes. The Anna Krusik Podcast is a proud member of the Music Teacher Development Podcast Network. The Muted Network provides support in the form of audio on-demand programming designed by and for music educators. You can find more information about our network at mutedpodcasts.com.